Hello, welcome back to the Untitled SEO podcast. It's a first today. I have a repeat guest. Well, a repeat guest for someone who I don't work with anyway. So <laughs> I've had kind of colleagues and associates on before, but welcome back, Stuart Townsend. It's a pleasure to have you back in the room. Thank you, Andrew. It's a pleasure, pleasure to be back on and to be be a second guest as well, a repeat guest. That's it. That's even better. That's a first for me as well, I think. Yeah, no, it is. Yeah. Well, there's a good reason. It's because when when you were on on as a guest last time, and everyone I don't want to like spoil the magic here, but everyone who who's on the show fills in a little release form to tell me a bit about themselves and what they might like to talk about. And when I saw your release form, there's like loads of things on there I want to talk about. And then we had the the last recording and didn't touch on any of them. <laughs> so no. I think I, I do like the fact that. The, the the pace is very natural and we sort of find our own feet and, and the, the conversation meanders around. But there are some things I really want to talk to you about. That sounds a bit ominous, actually, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like the big reveal. I can feel the big reveal is coming up. There's <laughs> <laughs> no big reveal. It's it's, it's the, the whole future of marketing thing. Um, so you, oh, you cool. mentioned um, you know, about how SMS, I think we might touch on it in the last episode, how yeah. SMS is gaining ground again but also how we can't just keep repeating the same methods of marketing that we have done for years. And I think we've had a period of relative stability for about the last six or seven years, but just in the last two years, and I'm going to, you know, COVID might be a part of that, but the last few years, everything's changing again. So, so I'd really love, I'd love to know what, what your take is on this because you know, on the release form, you, you said, well, marketing is changing. Yeah, I mean, it's, no, no, no. It's no, it's interesting because um, I think it is, and I think also sales is changing as well in general. So, you know, we've gone through this stage of marketing being content marketing. Let's throw loads of stuff out there. Let's hope for the best. Then we've got personalization. Uh, that's that's great as well um, around that side. But now it's, I think, well. I don't know if companies are realizing this, but I'm, I'm hoping they're realizing this to actually do marketing from the aspect of focusing on what the customer's needs are mm. and t- not targeting them. But actually, I was talking about this the other week. I was at an event the other week and it was talking about sort of how AI can help improve marketing and sales and stuff. And so, but the crux of it is you just need to talk to people, but listen to them. And I think mm. we've lost that in marketing now. I think not, I think we can get it back, but I think what I've seen over the years, it's just that whole, no, we're just going to keep throwing things at you, but we're not going to listen to whatever you're going to say. We're just going to keep telling you all this messaging and hope that if we send a million emails out or a million blog posts or 500 um, reels, it'll stick. But nobody's going, actually, Mr. Customer, what would you like? Let's let's come, come back and let's have a, a channel that you can engage with. Oh, no, let's put some robots in there instead, and you can talk to a robot, and let's put some other blockers in. So we're going to throw all this stuff out, and then when you want to – it's like today. Sorry, I'm ranted already. Oh. No, I love it. <laughs> I carry on. It's, this, this is great. Literally, there was – with the SMS company, I wanted to talk to a company that we've integrated with, but um, – not officially. So we've integrated for a client. So it's like, right, okay, go to the website. Can I get in touch with them? No. The only way I can get in touch with them is by filling a demo for me. And it's like, mm-hmm. really? So we're in this state now of let's throw everything out, let's market to you, but let's not give you an opportunity to talk to us unless you want to ask for a price because we've took the price away or you want to ask this, but actually we'll give you no contact because you've got to talk to a bot first. 
it's really frustrating. It's literally marketing has to change aligned with sales and all the other departments to actually just allow that customer engagement. It just it just riles me. <laughs> maybe maybe I'm old it, and grumpy. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I, I was listening to a podcast um, by someone I someone I quite like, and he had a guest on talking about, um, you know, sort of SEO. There, there's always lots of topics around things that are sort of SEO. I mean, I, I think the, there's a lot of blurring around the edges of what SEO actually is as a definition. And they were talking about, you know, getting people in the funnel. And, you know, I'm fine with the concept of a funnel. That that makes sense. I think it makes sense to know what you want to offer people at what time. But they were saying everyone needs to take their phone number off the top right-hand corner of their website. Because from an SEO perspective, they're saying what Google sees is people coming to your website and they're not looking at the pages because they're just, Use, you know, oh, there's the phone number. I'll ring the phone number. And I thought, well, there's two sides to that. The first one is that the website's still open. Google, if you're really worried about that, Google will see someone being on a website for a while. Yeah. Gone are the days where we're obsessed with crap like bounce rates. And and I th- I'm so pleased bounce rate's dead because I think it's a measurement. For anyone who doesn't know what bounce rate, I imagine you probably do. It's largely a measurement of somebody who lands on a page on your website and then leaves after a set time without going to any other pages. And I've always thought, doesn't that mean that you've successfully given them what they want? Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Why, like, why push them through a funnel? It's, it's yeah. just, why would you do that? So it's, it's a classic case of humans are more important than SEO. I've, I've got at least two clients who, if they took their phone number off, they would stop getting leads. Well, I used to um, contract... <clears throat> A while back, I think it's yeah, it's pre-COVID to a call tracking software company, and literally what would happen is the phone number would, would change and it'd be unique. So I'd go there, I see one number, you see a di- different number, and, and and their message was yeah, SEO is great and do all this stuff, but actually you need to have this mechanism for people to get in touch and then track when they got in touch and and then do a follow up with the happy when they got in touch and such, and and it is it's literally. I can't you see appointment-based businesses with websites and really great content and they're getting traction, they've got experts, they've got all this stuff. And then, like you say, um, the, there's a um, a blocker there. They put It's like we've got to have these blockers of please don't get in touch with us because that's a resource we need to have a conversation with you. But the conversation has to be on our level. So actually, yeah, there's an inquiry, it's coming. And then we'll ring you back at whatever time we deem that's annoying because you're just driving at the time or whatever it may be. And you're like, again, you know, I always anchor it back to like retail. It's like going in a store, isn't it? And you go in a store and you can't talk to anybody. You can't ask anything. You can just pick some stuff up and look at it. But actually nobody will communicate with you unless you're ready to buy. And then they'll all swamp all over you. And that, that you know, it does feel that's where we sort of, over we've just inched an inch an inch towards that mass outbound mass volume no no channel communication let's block all those off um and it does i've always thought it sorry sorry no that's that's my rant over no no it's good i I like this you're very easy guest to have because you just provide the content um i've always been very anti that attitude i remember first client i got in london this is back in like 2000 
they their whole model they were a non-profit actually their membership organization so they didn't have to really convert in the same way but they they had this whole their whole model was that they distributed information really good information i mean mm. genuinely like world beating stuff and they were obsessed with the idea that no one should be allowed to download a pdf without filling out a form and giving away all their details and they were really pleased that you know maybe a hundred people a month were downloading pdfs i was like just take that out so just just let them have it because they go but we won't capture their information and they might not become a member of this organization i said if they read that and they like it they will ring you, <laughs> you know, they will contact you. And of course, predictably, the number of PDFs being downloaded went through the roof, yeah. absolutely skyrocketed. And the thing I is afterwards... Nothing's that special. <laughs> no, exactly. It's always like, you know, if you produce that content, and, and I, I've done it as well in Podcast Talk, I've put the, the guardrails there of like, please give me your details. Um, and then they've experimented, they've taken that off. I go and just float your boat, just because if it's a value to you, that's great. But it's already branded, so you know where it came from. You know it mm. came from me, and if it's a value, you'll get back in touch. Um, but also, you can then do the post follow-on if you want to after they've downloaded it. Then say, if you'd like to leave your details and more interest, do so, but don't don't feel obliged to. Don't don't put it in the front. Put it in the back if you want to. But it's like I say, it's it's already branded. It's already a value, and also. Once they've got it, there's more inclination for them to then share it with other people if they've got it easily rather than going, oh, I've downloaded it under my email address. Some people think, is that tracked? I don't know. I'm not technology savvy. It may be tracked. If it's send it through to Andrew, is Andrew going to get tracked? Or, yeah, I won't do anything with it now. So you put this sort of mindset in there, don't you, where if it's, if it's open, it's like, great, got all the information I need. I'll share that wherever. It speaks to a type of marketing and sales, actually, more so sales, that I kind of was hoping would be dying out by now. And it's the, excuse me, it's the, what can we do to trick someone, what can we do to trick someone into becoming a customer? No, it is. It's essentially what you're doing. You know, there, there's things that, that smooth the process through and make it easy for somebody to become a client or a customer. But if you're looking for ways to trick them into becoming a customer, then that's not going to be a great relationship. You're starting off by being devious. So so just be human. You know what my pet hate is? SaaS companies that went through the stage, and I've not looked at it in a while because it really annoyed me of, oh, we won't give you a prize. You've got to contact us for a prize. Give us your details. So, <laughs> right, okay, so are you a quid or a million quid, 500 pounds? You know, what are you? I don't know because you've got to, we've got to have a conversation with you to qualify it. Um, and there's, there's a couple of competitors in the SMS space, mainly in the US, that do this sort of aspect. And to me, that's like, it's wasting everybody's time. Because if, like, what did I get? I was looking at a webcast platform, and the chap came back and said, I think it's like $25,000 a year, et cetera, et cetera. And I was like, right, okay, I'm, I'm not in that game. I don't need it. I just thought I'd inquire. That's great. And it was through a, another chap from a podcast. But again, that's time wasted that we've gone through this sort of cycle of just waffle going back and forward. It's literally, if it said 25 grand on the website, I just want to approach them because it's not my budget. It's not, not, it's too, too complex for me. I don't need that. That's great. Um, but you do get SaaS companies that do that. And literally they put that sort of enterprise, you know, there's always been, here's your three basic prices and for enterprise, get in touch. Fine. When it gets to a point where there is no price whatsoever. So marketing, they've done all this hard work. They've got people to come to the page. 
and they're there and they've got all the information they need apart from the, the starting price, that has to be on a phone call. Literally, okay, so I'll, again, I'll anchor it back to basic, you know, I always think of online as basic life, isn't it? Going to a car dealership, it's like, oh, I really like this car. It's really great. Okay, make an appointment for next week. I'll tell you what the price is then. You're going to laugh, aren't you? <laughs> like, but that's what it is, isn't it? You know, if you think of it as an online presence, that's what you're doing to people is, I'm ready, but I've got a booking appointment for you to tell me how much it is to then work out actually, yeah, you know what? Forget it. I'll just go and buy something else. I'll go and buy the other car. Sorry. This, this is one of my favorite favorite topics at the moment. Yeah. I am... Um, I obviously I'm very familiar with the concept of inbound marketing, having been in SEO for so long. But I was at a, a conference last year, and I saw somebody called I, don't know, I can't remember if it was this year or last year. They're all blending together. I saw somebody called Marcus Sheridan speak. Have you heard of him? No, he's, no. Oh, he's a br- brilliant speaker, and I'm you know I'm a I'm a I, I don't, a, well, I am a trained speaker. I'm a trained public speaker right. um, through going to Toastmasters and. And I was going to brag that I'd won awards then, but I won't. I'll just leave that bit out. <laughs> um, but this guy's a, a fantastic speaker, but he's written a book, which I'm reading at the moment, called They Ask, You Answer. And it's really good. If you're not, if you're not like deeply familiar with what inbound marketing is and you want a really good starting point, he's written this book for business owners. It's not written for the mm. tech world. It's written for people who own businesses, just to explain not only the importance of inbound marketing, but actually how to do it, how to get buy-in from your team, how to make it happen. And one of the first concepts in the book and one of the first things that he spoke about when I saw him talk was prices on websites. And his story is he, he ran a, he's an American guy. He ran a a fiberglass swimming pool business. I I don't know much about swimming pools. We don't have a lot of call call for them on the East Coast. We've got the sea and it's too cold. Um, But he he started putting, said, you know, him and his competitors, none of them would put prices on the website because partly, you know, they they just want to, you know, probably sting the customers for as much as they possibly can. You know, I, I know of people in a very broad, undefinable way who will decide on a price you know, after going to company's house and looking at the turnover and and stuff like that. And, yeah. you know, I'm, I'm not saying that's bad necessarily, or it's just, it's just not something I want to be a part of, but I, I halfway through this book and I thought, right, whenever you read anything like this, if you agree with maybe more than 60% of it, the ne- next natural instinct I always have is to say, yeah, but that won't work with my industry. Mm. So I thought in SEO, I have never, ever seen an SEO agency put a price on their website. I've only seen a couple of people, freelancers on LinkedIn, mention prices, and then it's like an hour. You you can talk, you can spend 50 quid and speak to me for an hour or whatever. So I thought, yeah, I'm going to write a pricing page. And about two weeks ago, I published a pricing page on on the SEO website. And I'm not going to lie, it it worried me. It really, really worried me, but it's still there, and I haven't burst into flames. And in fact, I've got two new clients in the time that's been live, and I know for definite no one is ever going to work work for you if you're an agency or in marketing without going to look at your website. I've put it in the primary yeah. navigation. It's absolutely there. There's actually a nice SEO reason to do it. 
which is that a lot of people search for SEO pricing yeah. and not a lot no, of people. There's not, there's not a lot know, of places for them to go for that. So it's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's the, the, there's several reasons why, why I like it. And I'm experimenting with it. You know, I, I like the fact it's there. And one of them is it's trust. What we're, what we're always doing in sales and marketing is building trust from the from the first second somebody gets onto your website you, you need to build trust with them it's what it's all about and you can forget seo you can forget you know user experience you forget anything if you're not building trust you're not going to get anywhere or you can end up with a website that has you know hundreds of thousands of visitors that doesn't generate you any leads because at that at that level you're then going back to the ye olde fashioned numbers game of saying well i need a this many thousand people convert into one yeah. client or customer. Yeah. Like we're not still there, are we? That's no. <laughs> no, it's that sort of bottom up forecast model of how much do I have to get in to try and get to my one percent type of thing. And you're right, it's like, yeah, I mean that's a brilliant exercise, isn't it? Because nobody else is doing it. You're gonna get traffic from it. But it's open and transparent pricing because you'll have a baseline of what what your worth is so why not be open about it rather than going oh Stuart's a one-man band he can't afford us but actually I know Bob's Bob's shop over here 25 blah 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 he's doing x amount of revenue mm, actually normally charge 500 quid but it's 1500 quid and the trouble is I mean with any untransparent pricing it's literally conversations will be had somewhere and somebody will be like oh yeah i work with andrew and he yeah it's great and it's only a thousand a month and somebody else will be going a thousand i pay him 10 grand a month what's going on there and then that trust gone never to be you never get it back ever again do you that relationship is broken and it's just because of a, an ad hoc conversation such um around it. and you do find that happens across multiple you know businesses in general because Salespeople, salespeople, no, no, no damning them. They want to earn as much money as possible uh, from that side. But you, ha- you know, it, it is a relationship. I arc back. I can't remember if we talked about it the last time, but um, so I started life at a steel firm, and I still keep in touch now with some of those people. And on Saturday, we uh, all the guys I used to work with at some microsystems, <laughs> you laugh at this. We go for a kebab. On Saturday night, we go to a kebab shop in Manchester that we used that to go to. That me for some reason. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but that's like, that warms my heart. You know, you've got 20 grown men <laughs> that have been around IT for a bit, going for a beer and then a kebab on a Saturday night. It's rock and roll. <laughs> um, but, you know, we all talk about the customers and the people that, not just that we work with, but, you know, those customers we dealt with, that we still kept in touch even, what is it now? It's like it's 13... Ten, like 10 years since leaving the company and some people are still in oracle and they keep in touch with them but it's, it's about those relationships isn't it? if you have good relationships and you trust and you're open it just works um and look, sorry the point the final point was i was going to make about the steel side was there's certain things i remember from being young and starting work was it's really simple Stu. if you're going to be late on delivery ring the customer do not leave at five o'clock knowing it's not turning up at nine o'clock because that's going to really annoy them. They're going to be annoyed, but they're going to be less annoyed than turning up the next day. Um, and it's always, you know, things happen, the steel isn't right, it's a wrong tolerance or whatever. And it's the same when you're selling software or a product or services, just being open with the customer, isn't it? And pricing is the key. But, um, and that's where I feel 
marketing should be now is that relationship-based marketing model, being open and transparent, and also taking the blockers away so that you know the gates aren't shut anymore. Customers can come back in and have a dialogue because you know if you're a product marketer, how are you going to develop the product if nobody's coming back and giving you feedback? You know, how do you know that that landing page and that messaging is correct? The bot's not going to tell you. The bot's just going to be, uh, we signposted him elsewhere. He's got an answer. No, he hasn't. He's just got fed up. Oh, absolutely. And the there's, there's a lot of pluses. We were talking, I talked earlier about um, smoothing the process. I was going to say lubricating the customer, but that sounds horrible. <laughs> um, but just, just one last thing on the pricing on the website. One of the things that Marcus Sheridan says is, um, People won't put the prices on because they're worried their competitors are going to find out. Yeah, your competitors just, know what your prices they, are. Exactly. They know why they don't know. But They've already got about, secret I mean, shopper, haven't they? The secret shopper has already been there and got the price. In, you know, oh, that I'm is under not no doubt. Yeah. I'm under yeah. no doubt that quote, quotes, um, proposals I've given you know, clients who haven't gone on to work with me are in the hands of my competitors. Yeah. I'm happy with that. Good. Yeah. In fact, I, I, I take some of that into consideration when I write the proposals and, and the things I put in them because I'm really proud of the way we work. Um, so this wasn't meant to be <laughs> bigging, up, bigging up this this company. Um, but, you know, talking about kind of like making it an easier and smoother sales process, one of the things I've realized now that I've just gone out there and put all the prices on the website is that there's no reason not to add them into my CRM. So I've recently moved to HubSpot and you can add products in there. And it means that my salesperson, when I've finished doing that, or anyone who's in a sales function with me, including me, instead of saying, you know, at the end of a meeting, right, now I'll go away and write a proposal for you, which invariably takes a few days and just finish the meeting, click a few buttons and the proposal's gone <laughs> because there's, there's nothing to work out. But the other, the other thing, just to answer something you said about, people worrying that old Bill down the road won't have the money, you know, so he'll be put off. Well, he's either not going to become a customer anyway, but more accurately, if you want to not reject people like that, change your, your product ladder, change your pricing. Because I, I identified, I mean, embarrassingly recently that there's a lot of people who want to speak to me, but won't because they know how much the full agency shebang is, you know, the, the full product. But, you know, I found people are very willing to pay a much smaller amount of money for half an hour, an hour of my time. And I love packing as much value as I can. Yeah. That that way you're not turning away anyone and, and everything, everyone's getting their, their fair price. But, but also for them, you know, it becomes a starting point as well, isn't it? Because it's like, well, I'm not ready for the full agency. I may not even be ready for the full agency, not from a cost basis, but actually internally we just don't have all the processes and stuff. But I'd like to start small and build up but then when you've got that blocker of no prices it's like oh it's a full agency model it's going to be a million quid it's not even worth having a conversation i'll just find somebody freelance fiverr have a really bad experience whereas like you say if you change that product ladder and have entry points that go you can go from here all the way up to there and just have those conversations at least then there they may not be a customer now but you're building a pipeline of a potential customer in six months, 12 months, 18 months. You're not, like you say, you're not blocking them out, are you? And the fact that you're doing a proposal in CRM, it's already pre-built template prices. You can put them back in the loop and go, there you go, come back and just set a notification. Um, because then you, you have got details of them. You know what they want. You know what they're looking for. Not they've come to the site, they've run away because it's not transparent pricing. You, you, you 
reduce that conversation point straight away down to I'll make a decision because nobody I can't speak to anybody it's doing exactly what we've been talking about it's building a relationship um many 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 years ago long before I was ever in SEO I I was sent on a training course for um, accounts some account software and for some reason this is when I was really young for some reason a part of this training course was on pressure sales and we we were sat down and spent half a day being told the most horrible things <laughs> that I just thought were just the scummiest, most terrible thing. And the only good that came of this is a few years later, we needed to get our double glazing done because we still had old sash windows. And when we first bought the house, this chap came round, sat there smoking in our lounge, which just seems weird these days. Oh God, yeah. But he, he stung us £1,500 for a back door. And... I'm, this was in like the year 2000, so that, that was right. a fair amount. Yeah. So when we came to get our windows done, the annoying thing was this product that this guy's company sold genuinely was the best product. We knew it was because we knew people who had it, but they had such a bad double glazing salesman reputation. So the only good thing that came out of that pressure selling course was that when the double glazing salesman came around, every time he started to put one of those tactics into use, I was able to shut it down. <laughs> And he, he was in and out in 25 minutes and we did buy from him, but he said, oh, I can only keep this price for the next two hours. Yeah. He said, I'll ring me boss. I was like, don't bother ringing my boss. No. He's like, well, I can't give you the presentation unless your wife's also here. Like that's oh, not yeah. going to happen. <laughs> so he, he rang me back the next day and he said, oh, you've got to sign today. And I said, right, because you said that, call me back in a week. And surprise, surprise, the price was still as, as good as it was. It, yeah. was. it was just, but from that point, I can remember thinking that's, that's got to be, nowhere near any business i ever run just I mean, it's nowhere like the, near yeah. it's like in the SaaS world there's always like the end of quarter deal to be had because you're trying to meet your numbers you know to hit the revenue target and stuff and it's like right okay so but then buyers know oh right okay so i'll wait until the last day of march that's when i can sign the contract and we'll keep sort of getting some added and additions in um and it, but, but everybody knows that now. So it's like, right, okay, so we're not going to buy anything until the last day of March. <laughs> it, it completely ruins, for, for that part of the business that's bringing in, bringing in work, that kind of motivation causes so many problems everywhere else in the business. So a, a, a good example I've got is I, I pay one of those for one of those wine clubs. I'm not going to name them. But where yeah. a small enough amount of money leaves your bank that you forget about it. And then... Then they, uh, then you you get a case of wine, and it's got to the stage now when they offer me something, I will always say no, because I know if I leave it till the end of each quarter, the salesman will be desperate. Yeah, stop. Yeah. <laughs> so why would you yeah. buy any other time? So all that's done is their their supply chain, their warehousing system, their everything has been compressed into one little bit. It's like when number plates on cars used to change once a year. It made the industry horrible for the other eleven yeah. months of the year. Just, yeah, just chaos. I know. I know. In the past, when I've worked with some B two B SaaS companies around my sort of channel consulting business, and it's always come on. It was always a, a side conversation about sales and marketing and price and such. And it always comes back to. So, what about discounts? I'm like, well, what about discounts? So, where do we start? Well, you don't start anywhere. Because if you start with a mindset of discount straight away, you're putting in force a sales force that is discount orientated. If you don't believe the value of your product is worth that price, then reduce the price. Don't 
don't increase the discounts. So I don't get it. Why would you do that? Sales need discounts. No, sales don't need discounts. They need a really good value that solves a problem and they articulate it clearly and they build that relationship and they sell it at the price. If you want to give anything away or discount something down, it's not your monthly revenue, then look at your services. But even then, you've got to think, you don't go, in, again, you don't go into the shoe shop and ask for a discount. You may do, but you don't just naturally go in a sale with a position of, ah, oh, I can sell this at 100, but ideally, I want the sale. So I may give 20% off. You know, why, why start with that mindset? It's, it's just wrong, isn't it? It's just the sort of space that we're in. And again, from a marketing aspect, it's like, why would you want to bring all that effort in to get all qualified leads in for the sales organization to then go, brilliant, we'll go and sell that. And at the end of the quarter, we're going to drop 30% off everything. So your cost of acquisition is now higher. The revenue is reduced and the model is just broken. Well done, everybody. That was a great job. (laughs) But there's, there's always so many pluses to not discounting though. If you've got a premium brand, you're putting a big dent in the side of it if you discount it. Yeah, yeah, if you, yeah wow. exactly. If you look at like Gucci or Chanel or those sort of things, they never discount. And there's a reason because of that whole aspect. It devalues the proposition. Um, and it's the same with anything. It's like, you know, if a customer can't afford it, they haven't got the budget, then position something else or something they can afford, but keeping your price at that. Because otherwise, it's just like literally you're just giving it away all the time, aren't you? You start with a thousand, and if you're going to sell it at 500, just sell it at 500. Don't sell it at a thousand. If it's not worth a thousand pounds, don't sell it at a thousand pounds because it's not worth it um, around that. And it's just, again, it's just sort of, yeah, it's that positioning piece, isn't it? It's, it's like one of the things that I learned many years ago now is, is that when we send out proposals, although I'm not going to be doing this anymore now that we've, our prices are all, all well, sorry, I'll, I need to finish a thought. I'm not making any sense. But I'd, I'd always put in three options. Um, and I was just thinking I can still do that with, with pricing. So we'd always say that this, this is, this is option one, option two, option three. And most of the time people will go for the middle option. Yeah. But I've noticed recently people are going for the Rolls Royce option more often, but these are people who we've had longer conversations with and have got to know. And, and sometimes we, I'm very, very relaxed around when I first start speaking to somebody and when I give them a proposal, I'm in no rush. I don't want to rush anything at all nothing at all though i did lose a client today because i spoke spoke to them last week and i said look just take your time think about it let's speak again when you're ready and he just told me he's going with somebody else which could be for any reason to be honest um but i forgot i forgot my point there i'll tell you what i do want to speak to you about though Stuart. podcasts i didn't quite bring that background as smoothly as i had as i had (laughs) hoped but but i'm gonna say that it's a Podcasts are a good trust builder. Okay. So one of the reasons I originally, originally wanted to speak to you is because of your involvement in the podcast world. So you've mentioned podcast talk a few times. Could you just give us a, give us a lowdown on what that is? please? Yeah. Uh, and you're right about the trust aspect. So, so podcast talk is a, a SaaS based business for B2C or B2B. So we work with either agencies using the product or individuals and essentially just think of it as a a search engine for all the podcasts shows that are available so 4.2 million at the moment with some data attached to it so things like we take the basic podcast feed and then we identify the gender is it an interview we pull in domain authority um, and website data as well so the number of backlinks 
so a consumer can come in and go, I want to be on 100 podcasts that are about marketing and entrepreneurship and SEO that have a website and broad, um, I always use the word broadcast, I don't know why, I've never worked at the BBC, <laughs> and then publish as well on YouTube. So we, we do that. And then um, in the back end is an automated like campaign tool to send the emails out to the host like yourself, Andrew, going, hey, love to be on your show and here's why. And it's like it's a drip campaign. So it's four emails that go out. Um, and if they don't reply, they keep on going. And if they do reply, they stop. And it, and it came about because me and my co-founder, Ray had a language business and wanted to go on more shows to promote his language business. I had an itch with my consulting business to go and talk about channel and sales and direct sales and stuff on podcasts, but go to search for podcasts and then try to find the host details and then finding out actually the show hasn't been live for three years. So you've just wasted all that time. So we built this service, um, couple, couple of years ago now. Um, but it's only really in the last six months, eight months that we've got all the features in there and all the data set to automate everything. And then we've got a plan with another set of data as well. Um, but yeah, just going back to your, your starting point, the rationale behind it is, <clears throat> even though my voice has gone croaky, like the human voice, your voice builds trust, whether it's on video or just that conversation, you're listening to somebody and they're talking about stuff and it's like, oh, and you still, you start to build a rapport, which is, you can't get that same sort of context from a blog post or an article or a very short, real um, type of thing. It's just like, ah, oh, 30 minute conversation. No, it sounds okay. Right, okay, great. Um, and that's why I love podcasts. Absolutely. I couldn't, couldn't agree more. I mean, they're a warm to so many brands just by seeing a human connection. I'm on a mission at the moment to try and create a video um, with me in it at the moment, although the rest of my team, they're, they're a bit reluctant to get involved at the moment. <laughs> but I, I want every page on on the SEO website to have have a video with the same content on it. Um, and every, every blog post, it's partly for accessibility in a way I, I yeah. haven't quite sort of got straight in my head yet. Um, one aspect would be one of my associates struggles to read massive, long, long bits. So yes. a video works nicely. That's, that's really good. But also just to get that humanity across as quickly as we possibly can, because I like your real world kind of examples. You wouldn't go to a networking meeting in the real world and sit underneath a box with adverts around them, oh. <laughs> <laughs> plastered around it. it wouldn't have the same effect would it you, you, you want to stand up and awkwardly i always try and come up with an analogy to to explain seo involving like classic films or something which never make much sense but people always remember them and they seem to laugh so <laughs> that's how i get the humanity that's across but it, it becomes an anchor point to them then, doesn't it? They associate that with you because there's that human aspect. And the same again with the podcast because it'd be anecdotes that you may say or pieces about historical stuff or that sort of thing. And you associate that with that person in a different way than if if you read, you know, if I wrote a post about what we talked about today about, oh, some microsystems and a retail and a kebab, it'd just be a light touch, wouldn't it? It wouldn't be contextual uh, from that side. But I think, you know, the voice aspect definitely, again, same for me, it builds brands. It's like, right, okay, I'm going to go and listen to that. I'm going to go and take a look at what that person said. Cause, and that, that's how I learned a lot of stuff over 10 years or so, just about things that happen in the world by listening to um, Pat Flynn and those sort of guys. Cause it's like, ah, oh, they're talking about stuff that's over in the West Coast and it's all... Like, we're not doing it over here. Brill. I'd look amazingly intelligent. I'm not. 
but I, I knew 5% more because I'd just been listening to some stuff on some podcasts. It, it, it's a, it's a, I think podcasts and audio is podcast specifically is such a, a rich texture for information because yeah, I, I write articles, um, but I, I really consider them <laughs> like anyone does when you write an article, you, you look at the article and you, you hack bits out of it and you have a lot of control over where you, where you put the emphasis and how strong it gets in one bit. But when you talk, especially in conversation, things can pop up that, that won't, won't make it into an article. So you get kind of a, a more honest picture yeah. of anything being, being discussed. And I think the, the way brains work, if you're talking to somebody else, it also awakens part of it, which parts of your brain that just aren't in play if it's just you and a keyboard writing. And also, I think, you know, I'm, I'm the worst for this is um, like our attention spans are less now. I struggle to, re- I've got hundreds of books and I struggle to read a book because my brain is like, I have to sort of really zone out until I start reading it <clears throat> from that side. But, you know, at the networking event or whatever it may be, you're engaged with people, aren't you? You're talking to mm. them or you may be on your phone. But again, we're, we're in an isolated society now where it's very, I think I can't remember the term, but again, I was listening to on the podcast about loneliness and stuff about you, you wander the streets and you just see people looking at the screens. They're not engaged with each other. And that's to me, is like what a, a blog post is sort of in that sense of it's very much somebody maybe engaged with it, but not fully a hundred percent. Whereas in audio, it's like, boom, I'm listening to it. It's just the tone. I'm sort of picking up characteristics very quickly. And, and what I've started to do now, some of my blog posts is, I use a service called Recaster, and it'll take the blog co- blog post and then um, two voices, interview style. So it sounds like wow. a podcast. Really? It, it's, I'll send you a link to it, and it's a, a guy that was chatting to about it. But the way it does it, it sounds like a really natural interview. So, hey, Stuart, we're going to talk about some AI stuff today. What do you think? Oh, yeah, bro, bro, bro. And it's like, wow, okay. And it's added, and I did it again a little bit more for accessibility and a bit more of a different dynamic, uh, and testing some of that content sharing. Um, and it's not that expensive, but yeah, yeah, take a look at that as well because again, it can just help sort of lift some of that content off the page. You know, I put it, sometimes put it at the top of the post or I'll just share it sociably uh, from that side. I really like the idea of those kind of uses for things like AI. I mean, one of the problems that I have is I, I write an article. Then I'll do the video version. I'm not reading it. I'm just going from the going from the same, um, you know. I'll, I'll jot down a structure and I'll use that structure yeah. when I'm writing the article. So when I when I then do the, the YouTube version, the video version, I'll use the same structure. The problem is I've realised if I write the article first, then do the video, there's always stuff in the video which is better and has been yeah. that, that I didn't think of. So I instead of now writing it reading it and then having to go back and rewrite it i'm trying to get used to, to talking it first so to take that on the next level i started mucking around using um using just the dictation just on the apple mac you know the ios dictation and it's made me speak better because i can't abide having to edit out the word so about 200 times <laughs> from every article but good use of ai i've, I've written a quite a, an extensive prompt i use for chat gpt where i it will now change. It will now change my dictation and make it more correct. So put paragraphs in. It's actually, there's a strict instruction not to add anything, because if you let Chat 
it will run uh, away and just it'll crunch up away with itself somewhere. Yeah. yeah. It'll start talking and making stuff up and things like that. And suddenly it's like, really? Did I, I don't remember writing this stuff. Um, I well, you think yeah. this one? I, I, I don't remember talking about kebabs. And yeah. Where did that <laughs> come from? Yeah, it's interesting you should say that, though, about the transcripts and the sort of audio thing, because I can't think of the chap's name, but about two or three years ago, I was talking about, again, my, my consulting business about sort of putting what was in my brain over 30 years into like a product type course or some educational material. And what he said is, if you want to do something like that, don't, I'm not a writer. Um, I, I struggle to write a lot of content. I'll just start going into Mancunian typing thing going on and it'll just be, he said, so like you said, he said, do a transcript, brain dump, just whatever you're thinking about, because that's more natural and then take the transcript and then start to edit that. And that'll then turn into some content structure for you rather than sitting there. Because when I did my master's, I had to write 15,000 words. I am never, ever going back there ever again. It just ever. Um, but if I would have followed that process, I could have taught for England, took the components out, and then put it into structure. And I think, again, it depends how your brain's wide. That really works for me. Audio first, then into to a piece of content. Um, from that side but you know we're not we're not all wired the same are we no fortunately fortunately not um because it keeps everything very interesting but you've really you've really sort of struck something in my mind talking about the sort of the conversational aspect of, of how we how we absorb information have you played around with linkedin audio no it, it sort of was a bit of a thing for a while but i've not i've never really sort of gone back there again i'm not sure um I've not seen some good use cases of it. I don't know if you you have. Have you seen? Well, we're we're, muck, we're mucking about with it. I genuinely right. don't know how to put it any other way. There's there's a, <laughs> a, a friend and associate, a guy called James Kindred, who who we we work together quite a lot. He's he's kind of a designer and a UX guy, and he's a serial startup. Yeah. Um, we, we currently has just grown a alcohol free brewery to quite a big big level uh, called right, Big okay. Drop. But we we both we both have this real attitude of play to tech and and learning. So we've decided that every Wednesday at noon we do an AMA and ask me anything on LinkedIn Audio. Oh right, yeah. And and during today's episode, we were saying, why is LinkedIn doing this? <laughs> why does I can't I don't know where LinkedIn Audio fits yeah. in the sort of infrastructure. We do it because well, we like having a chat for half an hour. Yeah. And we let anyone who wants to pop up and, and join in. But the, the listener numbers aren't massive. You know, 30 or 40 would, would be a good one. We've only done a few. But I just don't see – it doesn't generate any assets. I did record the first couple and turn them into podcast episodes, but I've mm. stopped doing that because the first five or six minutes of any LinkedIn audio is us trying to get it to work. <laughs> trying to get trying to get people so having to edit all that out just made it it just wasn't worth yeah. it but yeah i don't i don't know where it fits in i don't know what the point is no because i know they do like linkedin meetings and things like that and sort of their own type of webinar things because a friend of mine uses it to do uh, like an update on a friday lunchtime um but the audio side i can't it's like they try to extend out into areas that aren't really in their wheelhouse type of thing because i can't see where audio you know if you're on linkedin it's for professional it's for business and such and that sort of thing unless they can have a podcast platform of some sort and they do that rather than it just yeah it's like i 
I, I can't see any real unless there's some amazing may, maybe we're both missing something out there and there's some amazing audio channels that are going on and people are really sort of found a niche for it um or a niche i've, I've been be, yeah. been looking for for good yeah good use cases good examples i want to hear what other people are doing so well, partly yeah. so i want to hear if everyone else struggles as much as we do to get guests it's literally like no you've got to put your hand up no no press that button well we can't see it but and like so so much of that going on but it's funny i was thinking the other day and i meant to go and have a look at this and i got distracted by probably a million other things is what's happened to clubhouse because obviously clubhouse went crazy in covid time because we're all sat at home mm. and we had nothing to do and then twitter spaces came out but again those sort of live audio channels they all turned again into cheesy snake oil sales places so you go in this clubhouse and it'd be somebody just basically trying to sell stuff because they had a million people in the room and it's just like really again it's like they're not bringing you know it just didn't work not that it didn't work it's just sort of people leverage the platforms for the wrong use cases it'd be interesting so, yeah I, I don't i've not even looked at clubhouse i meant to go and have a look and see where they're at if they've still got three people working there <laughs> i i gave this a lot of thought we discussed it it was today. Uh, we're recording this on, on a Wednesday. So it's today that we did our, our LinkedIn audio. And my current theory is the reason the functionality is so bloody awful is like other LinkedIn functionality. There, there's no there's no connectors. You can't use Zapier or if yeah. this and that or anything really with LinkedIn. Yeah. It's a and closed I think that, API that, for that sort of thing, isn't it? Yeah, there's good. No, I think that's yeah. probably a good thing because... Yeah. As soon as somebody can configure it a way, a way to <laughs> blooming humans, right? As, as those marketers, as soon as someone can figure out a way of stuffing it out for the rest of us, they yeah. absolutely will. So yeah. may, maybe it's just that. Maybe they just it's it's just an experiment by Microsoft. You know, let's yeah. not forget that LinkedIn is a Microsoft product, just to see what happens. But yeah, it just seems a bit odd. We're, we're having fun mucking about with it. <laughs> no, it's like because they've gone down the path of LinkedIn newsletters and things like that as well, haven't they? But then again, mm. you've still got a lot of. I always sort of look at stuff maybe cynically because when I was at DataSift, we'd always sort of work with third parties, and, and Twitter was the main one. So we had Twitter's Firehose. But we're beholden to a third party. And it's the same if you if you build your community or build something into LinkedIn. It's in a closed community, which is good, but also bad because you can't. If your newsletter's in there, you can't bring it out, uh, assuming to Beehive and stuff or that sort of thing. Yeah, but again, it's it's if you want to target business professionals, that's the space to be. If you're in Germany, you know I can't remember the name of the one in Germany now. You've got that same sort of um, offering, but LinkedIn is the core one for Western speaking or English speaking audience, isn't it? Um, yeah, it'd be interesting yeah, to see what else you experiment with. <laughs> what else are you going to get in there? Uh, yeah, th 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 we've, we've run massively over time here, Stuart, but it's been, it's been a really <laughs> enjoyable conversation. Um, <laughs> as ever, when I speak to you, I've, I've now kind of got lots of other things that I'm, I'm now going to go and look into rather than doing the work I should be doing. <laughs> and uh, so th thank, thanks for that. <laughs> That's really yeah, useful. Okay. It's, it's close to tea time anyway, so you justify. But that that to do list has now just got longer and longer. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm I'm having a having another look at podcast talk because I, well, I, I deliberately didn't look into it because I wanted to speak to you, and yeah. I, I don't I don't do well with those. I'm not one of those podcast hosts who can do like 
all the research and then sound surprised when they when the when the guest tells them stuff i have to be genuinely surprised and sometimes yeah, do, do, do it more do more naturally we've just met and we're having a conversation rather than i already know this stuff and then it's like oh did you do that it's like yeah that's just yeah you don't need all that <laughs> on the fly anyone best Anyone who's who's listened to any of these podcasts know that that yeah, that, it's not really that kind of show. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always think they sound like a lot of hard work to run. It's much it's much nicer just pressing record and then talking. Yeah, exactly. It's more natural, isn't it? Right. So I'm going to go off and have a, another look at podcast talk, and Perfect. I'm just going to say thank thank you for for being a guest again, Stuart. I thoroughly enjoyed your I company. Know, thank you. I really enjoyed it. It's always a great conversation, isn't it? It's like I feel we should be having a beer at some stage. That's the only thing. <laughs> yeah. Maybe yeah, a bit well, early for a beer, yeah, but. <laughs> well, no, this is why uh, you need to check out James Kindred's Big Drop Brewery because all their beers are 0.5%. Oh, yeah. It's really yeah, good. Yeah. Genuinely is brilliant beer. Um, okay, well, I'm going to say goodbye. Would you like to say goodbye? Yeah, thanks again. Great to see you, Andrew. And uh, thanks, everybody, for listening.